Core Organic Sour Bears CBD Gummy Edibles are a great way to relax and fade into a restful night's sleep without the morning drowsiness of other sleep aids. Flavors include Sour Neon Bears, Sour Twin Cherries, Sour Neon Worms, or Sour Watermelon Rings. Take one gummy to relax and two for a restful night's slumber. Indulge yourself in the THC free core with 15 milligrams of CBD per gummy. HempFi is one of the largest online CBD and hemp product marketplaces today, with countrywide shipment from brands that comply with U.S. safety and quality standards. HempFi CBD Marketplace has over 500 plus brands of CBD products that you can purchase, all in the comfort of your own home. See for yourself at www.hempfi.com. Tatiana wears many hats as a student, researcher, teacher, counselor, and artist. In essence, she helps others feel and heal as a mental health professional and yoga teacher. Tatiana aims to infuse her approach to mental health with her interest in holistic wellness, yoga, and mindfulness. She has a focus on sex therapy and is currently researching female sexual desire by interviewing practicing sex therapists across the country. Additionally, she is a trauma-informed yoga instructor and teaches in a variety of settings, including substance abuse recovery, juvenile justice, veteran affair, and public studio classes. Lastly, Tatiana curates meditation mala beads with the intention to create wearable art for purposeful meditation. I'm so excited to launch this conversation. It was truly insightful and Tatiana was super knowledgeable and sweet. So please join me in welcoming Tatiana Bryan to the show. Hello, everyone. So in essence, I'm a student, researcher, teacher, counselor, and artist. I like to help others feel and heal, as I like to say. Um, ultimately my goal is to infuse my approach with mental health, with my interest in holistic wellness and yoga. And with that being said, I have focus with sex therapy and I'm currently researching female sexual desire. I'm interviewing sex therapists around the country and it's been very, very interesting. And beyond that, I'm also a yoga instructor, trauma informed, and I teach in a variety of settings, including substance abuse recovery, juvenile justice, veterans affairs, and also public yoga classes. And then my last little side gig is I make meditation beads. And really my goal there is to create wearable art for purposeful meditation. Meditation can be something that is hard to create tangible, um, if that makes sense. So that's what I help with the meditation beads. So cool. Such an impressive resume. I love all that stuff. I'm such a nerd when it comes to that. I've never tried mala beads before, but I've seen them and I went on your website and they're beautiful. So that's so cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. I call them mala well. And really the whole idea behind mala beads is it's 108 beads and you use the beads to repeat an intention or affirmation. Really any phrase that resonates with you and you use the beads to repeat it 108 times really takes about five minutes. And it's a great introduction to meditation if that's something that you struggle with. Yeah, that's super cool. It's kind of like the meditation rosary beads. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Really cool. And we're going to deep dive into meditation. But I did want to ask, because this is a show about sex positivity, how did you get interested in studying sex therapy? 
Absolutely. Um, so I was always interested in psychology, counseling, mental health, the whole nine. Um, I went to undergrad at the University of Florida, Go Gators. And in my final year there, at that point, I was kind of already inching towards sex therapy, definitely mental health counseling. But I took a class with Dr. Lori Mintz. She's the author of Get Clitorate. Um, she is an amazing professor. She totally inspired me. Um, her whole research is on the orgasm gap, which is the idea that women achieve orgasm far less than men and researching why that is. And turns out it comes down to the handy dandy clitoris. <laughs> For sure. You're lucky you got to study with her. That's incredible. I've always wanted to have a professor that has such you know, scope in the field. Yes, she definitely solidified like, <laughs> this is my, my goal, I want to do what she does. Wow. Um, so then I ended up studying mental health counseling, and made sure that my research was targeted into sex therapy, so I could continue mm -hmm. along towards that goal. And through that, I essentially connected with another sex therapist in Tampa. And I had networked with her and really was just asking, you know, if you were to recommend I research anything, what would you recommend? And she recommended female sexual desire disorder. So that mm -hmm. led me down this whole path of looking up the literature. And really, it's quite controversial, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lack of consensus out there. And what I found was the gap was interviewing or collecting data from the practitioners that were actually treating or mm. addressing this issue. So that's mm. the goal with my research. And I've been fortunate enough to be interviewing people from all over that are distinguished through ASECT. Mm, nice. That's important. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, what are you, it's interesting. I was going to say, what are you finding? But I'm not sure if you're able to share that, but I, yeah. I like the um, female sexual desire disorder automatically, I think, you know, the lack of desire or sometimes the lack of achieving orgasm isn't necessarily a disorder. I just love how it's termed like that. I'm just like shaking my yes, head. Yes, exactly. And that it's framed as a binary at the exactly. get-go. It yeah. just leaves so little wiggle room. And what I've found you know, I haven't analyzed my data yet, mm -hmm. so I can't go as too far to say um, statistical significance or anything like that. But just from what I've noticed, the two main things are oftentimes we over attribute it to something physical when really it's psychological. And the other thing is how important mindfulness is and really just getting into the present moment and experiencing pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, that cannot be stressed enough. How many of us are out of our heads or worrying about how our body looks or we're holding our breath when we're, you know, receiving or giving pleasure and it takes so much away from the moment. Exactly. And something interesting, several of my interviewees have mentioned medical marijuana or using cannabis to help relax the body before engaging in sexual activity to help kind of reduce that anxiety that you speak of. Yeah, I, I laugh because I feel like the best sex I've ever had was when I was high. 
through that. <laughs> okay, going back to, um, I want to talk about breath work though, because something that I found, especially as a yoga instructor, is the clenching of the breath, especially when uh-huh. we're tight or tense. Many of us are programmed to just you know, tense up and hold our breath and constrict rather than relax. So can you talk about how important breath work is in mindfulness, in meditation and during sex? Yes, yes, yes. Um, well, before I get started, I want to give a shout out to Danny May. She created Breath Guidance and that's really the main avenue I went to educate myself about the breath. She is so, so, so knowledgeable. So please look her up, give her a follow, um, you know, all that. Um, And really what I love about the breath is breathing is something that's autonomic. We do it without thinking about it, but we can hack that system and make it intentional to create a desired effect. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, if you're feeling anxious, you might tend to breathe short, shallow breaths from your chest. Now, on the opposite end of that spectrum, you could intentionally invite deep belly breathing using your diaphragm and kind of intentionally create a parasympathetic response, a reduced nervous system response. And so mindfulness, breath, this is something that we can tap into no matter where we are. You know, breath is something you can tap into before having a really hard conversation. Mm -hmm. taking that pause so that maybe you respond versus react, taking a breath in traffic before you flick someone off (laughs) because they cut you off and it pissed you off. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, taking a breath before a hard interview or hard test. It's just, it's always there for you. And it really teaches you that everything you need is within you. Your vessel is a safe space that no one can take away from you kind of reminds me of, I mean, a little bit of a cliche quote, but your peace belongs to you and you alone. Mm-hmm. No one can give it to you and no one can take it away from you. Yeah. Beautiful quote. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's so true. The, the breath is free and so many of us don't know how to utilize it as a tool. And even sexually speaking, um, it I've personally experienced when I'm about to approach climax, if I deep breathe, it gets it there not only faster, but it makes the whole experience a lot deeper too. Right. And I believe that's really the whole thinking behind tantric work. Mm. I'm not very knowledgeable in that area, so I can't speak a whole (laughs) lot about it. But Mm. from what I know, breath is a huge component there as well. For sure. For sure. And, and the breath of life, it's literally life-giving. So, so yes. many of us, I, I heard something the other day. It was a research study being done, especially during COVID, because it's a respiratory illness, that they're finding mm-hmm. that breath and your um, airwaves when you expand the lungs is just as equally as important as diet and exercise. Yes, like, yes. That's profound. And I believe that wholeheartedly, yeah. you know. <laughs> and especially during times of division, that's something I also come back to, you know, we all breathe, Hmm. every single one of us. And that experience of, you know, being in a public yoga class and breathing in unison, that is something that always just, it brings me back to the interconnectedness between us all. 
Mm, I love it. That's, that's one of the best experiences is just the chance and the breath and the yoga class, the collective energy. It's just so healing. Which is really what's so special about sexual intimacy. You know, it's, it's being with someone, being with your community in a yoga class or being with someone, some ones mm-hmm. in a sexual experience. Yeah, for sure. And while you're on that train of thought, I want to ask you because unfortunately, sexual wellness is still really taboo in many areas of the world. And I want to ask for people that might be wondering, you know, we th- know that physical health is important. Thankfully, now mental health is starting to be brought into that picture as well. But why is sexual health important to someone's well-being from your perspective? Well, I would say, number one, just given all of the protective factors associated with a healthy sex life, um, it can reduce stress. It increases those good chemicals in your brain. I mean the benefits go on and on. And it's something that doesn't require money. (laughs) It's something that really you can always have access to, even regardless if there's a partner there or not. Masturbation is there. It's something we don't talk about enough. And I've noticed, you know, especially with sex education and the way that it's been historically and to this day, there's not enough emphasis on the sex positive aspect of it even from the way that we teach anatomy, you know, why do we teach internal structures first, but we don't teach external genitalia or what genitalia would be associated with pleasure. Um, So that is one of my current missions. I'm really working on offering sex ed to the community, not just our adolescents, but also adults. You know, so many adults out there, I don't think, have had proper sex education and could benefit from proper sex education. Yeah. Yes. A really comprehensive versus proper, I would like to edit that. (laughs) Oh, no, that's, that's okay. There's tons of different wording. And I think what you said is so true that some of us have received sex education in the U.S. I mean, we could talk about that for a whole nother hour. But how many of us have received comprehensive sex positive education? Not many of us. And so often we just pass on what we've learned. And when that information isn't even true or accurate, it could be so harmful. Exactly. And so some of the one of the things I've done in the past is I came to an LGBTQ plus adolescent support group and I taught sex ed to them because that's the other thing like the sex ed we offer is very heteronormative and there's a whole bunch of issues within that in itself. (laughs) Completely. Completely. Don't get me started on my soapbox. (laughs) I know. I'm sure we could talk about that for like days upon days. It's it's so frustrating because it's, it's 2021 and we see these gaps where things aren't being correctly addressed. So that's why the work that you're doing is so important. And I really honor that and the integration of the mind, body and soul and sexuality being one of those critical factors is just really, really imperative. Yes, I ditto that back to you, girl. <laughs> cool. So shifting gears here, I want to talk about yoga and meditation. 
I am a yoga instructor myself, and I don't know about you, but I'm sure when you tell people that you teach yoga, a lot of them say, oh, I could never do yoga. I'm not flexible. (laughs) So I wanted to address some of the myths that people have or assume when it comes to yoga and starting a yoga practice. Yes. Well, I think, you know, the number one myth is yoga can be accessible. And I have seen that happen in action. You know, I teach yoga to non-traditional populations. And if you tell me that you can't do yoga, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. (laughs) Because I've seen every single type of person who said, I will never do yoga Mm -hmm. and have an open mind and try it once and see, wow, I understand why people drink the juice. You know, I understand why this yoga thing is a thing. Um, And I think one of the biggest things for a beginner yogi, someone going into yoga for the first time in their life, is to be proactive and modify. So what I mean by that is if you're going to public classes, asking your instructor for modifications, not just before class, but after class, follow up and say, you know, these things didn't feel so right for me. What would you suggest? And, you know, with that being said, don't compare yourself to what your neighbor is doing. We are all built so differently. We're all different lengths, shapes, sizes, abilities. So one of the things I did when I first started practicing yoga, if it wasn't in a balancing posture, of course, was to just close my eyes Mm -hmm. because it took away the distraction of seeing what my neighbors were doing. Um, And... I guess the last thing is consistency. You know, repetition is power. I really, truly believe that, especially with how we think. And that's one of the benefits that yoga offers is it really helps to rewire the way that you think about things and think about gratitude and mindfulness and so on and so forth. So whether you can go to a 60-minute studio class or can practice yoga in your chair for five minutes on your lunch break. Just make it happen. Make some version of it happen for the majority of your week, just so you can walk away with that feeling of success. Like I set out to what I wanted to do and I achieved that. Um, And yeah, yeah, I guess those would be my essential beginner tips. Awesome. (laughs) Beautifully said. And so completely agree. You could do yoga anywhere. You don't have to be at the top of a mountain or even in a a studio practicing to do yoga. You can do yoga in your chair. You can do yoga at work. You could do yoga on your bed. It's it's really accessible everywhere to anyone. Yes. Say it louder for the people (laughs) in the back. Um, And really, yoga is so powerful because it fosters that mind-body connection. And the idea that we can learn a lot from what our body is communicating. Mm. And sometimes, you know, taking away that sense of sight is going to enhance those other senses and maybe turn on that intuition a little bit more. Yeah, that's so true. I love closing my eyes and telling my students to close their eyes. It it also makes the poses somewhat more challenging because the balance is gone. Your, right, your right. sight is gone. 
but it's, it's so true. We've all been in, whether it's the gym or yoga class where we've compared ourselves to other people and we think Uh I'm no good at this. I can't do that. That person's doing a headstand. I can't even, you know, do this. And (laughs) it's, that defeats the point of yoga when we compare. And, you know, from a trauma informed lens, maybe you don't necessarily feel safe closing your eyes and that's completely okay. Try softening your gaze past the tip of your nose. Find something to just kind of zone out on. Mm. Um, Really, you can make it accessible for anyone. Yeah. When you use the word trauma-informed for people that have never heard of that, what does that mean and why is it beneficial? So I think the main thing with trauma-informed is the offering of choice. You know, everything that I say in a class is just an option. And ultimately, the choices you make with your body are going to be honored. If you want to lay there in savasana the whole time, do it. If you want to practice with the cueing that I'm offering, great. Um, Trauma-informed also takes into account different forms that may feel more vulnerable. So for example, being on tabletop, Mm -hmm. that may feel uncomfortable for some. Um, Additionally, the way we set up the room, we're not going to be in two lines. We're going to be in a circle so that no one's back is faced to another person. The whole idea is just to make sure that everyone feels safe and really respect anyone's walk of life. You really never know. Mm, Yeah. Particularly in a yoga class, it is a very, it could be, you know, some people just go there for the physical benefits, but I I myself and so many people I know also go for the emotional healing benefits. So it's really important to respect everyone's space and to have that sense of safety and security in our own bodies. Absolutely. I've noticed myself included the people who did come to yoga for the physical benefits ended up staying for the mental benefits, you know? (laughs) Very true. Very true. Yes. And when we talk about meditation, you know, the two often can go hand in hand, especially because yoga is a meditative movement, I like to call it. Mm -hmm. When we speak of meditation, it can sometimes seem so intimidating to get started. So what do you offer to people that are easy tools to kind of dive into a meditative practice and where can they begin if they don't even know where to start? Yeah. So find what works for you. There are so many different types of meditation and I don't think that that's talked about enough. Mm. Um, I offered a meditation class at the wellness center I work at for about a year. And my whole intention was that with that was to incorporate several different types of meditation and offer periods of reflection so that people could kind of try and figure out what resonated with them, what didn't. Um, For me and my meditative journey, the breath was an amazing component that was added into it. Breath offers an anchor, as I like to offer, um, to focus your mind on. So instead of kind of thinking about my to-do list or everything that happened yesterday, I'm focused on my breath. It's giving me something to hold on to. That's kind of the same purpose as using a meditation mala or using mantra meditation or using affirmations or guided meditations. 
um, guided imagery meditations. Mm -hmm. There's just so many different types. And just because one experience didn't resonate or felt cheesy or what have you doesn't mean that the next will be like that. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the comparison, I think we have to, um, it's really cool that you brought that up because if you do go onto YouTube or something and you type in meditation, there's 50 different ones that you could mm-hmm. try. And, um, I think what you said is just by starting to focus on the breath, And that's a really, really powerful tool because that's something we come back to time and time again when meditating. So that's a really beautiful place to start if you don't know where to begin. Right. And I think a misconception, you know, whether you are being completely present Mm -hmm. or catching yourself out of the present moment, that's a success either way. Mm -hmm. Um, And really mindfulness is all about being grounded in your senses, you know, like your five senses and can be practiced in so many ways. Mindfulness can be incorporated into your daily life outside of yoga, outside of meditation, just being mindful with how you wake up and start your morning instead of immediately going to grab your phone and check notifications, Mm -hmm. taking three breaths, Um, being mindful in how you eat, appreciating the flavors and the textures and listening to your body's hunger cues, mindful and how you walk and the way that your feet press on the earth. I'm really, the point I'm trying to make is that mindfulness is all around you. It's just seeing the opportunity. Mm, I like that. I love that. That could be a quote on, <laughs> on an app or something. We should make some Insta posts. <laughs> Literally. Oh, that was beautiful. When we talk about mindfulness, I think that's a pretty hot button word nowadays that has come into the mainstream. What exactly does it mean, though, to be mindful and where do most people right. go wrong? The easiest thing I can liken it to is in therapy, we teach a skill called grounding, Mm -hmm. which is essentially tapping into one of your five senses. So this is something I may teach to a client as a coping skill to come back to when they're feeling emotionally distressed, or this could be something that I incorporate into the session when they are overwhelmed without them even realizing. So that could be something like, feeling the texture of your shirt and really noticing whether it's rough, smooth, soft, seeing if you can find every single thing in the room that's the color blue, finding the most distant sound you can hear outside of this room, outside of this building. Um, So yeah, that idea of tapping into your senses, your physical body is really what enables mindfulness and coming into the present moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I remember um, my therapist once gave me a bracelet and she told me whenever you're feeling anxious or a panic attack is starting to come on, look at your bracelet and I want you to do the five, four, three, two, one trick, which you uh-huh. give five things you're seeing, four things you're smelling. You could interchange it, but it really is so powerful to bring you back into the present moment and ground yourself when you're feeling stressed. Right. And it's just another reminder of the mind body connection. Mm, yes. 
What can you explain what you mean by the mind-body connection? Because I know um, if you're probably listening to this podcast, you're into all things metaphysical, but for people that deem that as too woo-woo, can you kind of right, explain right. what that means to be connected through your mind and body? So I guess it's kind of like... opening communication between mm-hmm. mind, what you're thinking, and your physical sensations. So what I mean by that is, you know, starting to connect, I feel certain emotions with certain sensations. And maybe the next time I notice, oh, I've got that tightness in my chest, maybe I should offer myself these three things to help alleviate this feeling before it turns into something bigger. Um, Another example could be using breath or grounding to help emotionally regulate or help with distress tolerance. So now I'm tapping into my physical body to help cope emotionally, mentally. It's just fostering the connection between the two. And that's why there's literal science, you know, behind yoga, behind mindfulness and all these things that we talk about. It may um, come off as woo-woo to some, but if you do look at the science and the research, there is evidence to back it up. Mm. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Everything is connected. Everything, sexual health, physical health, mental health, everything, your breath, your mind, your body. We are connected. Yes. We're all one. Exactly. (laughs) Awesome, Tatiana. So I want to wrap up here by asking you, because on your website and your Instagram, I see that you have the name Tune In with Tatiana, something along those Mm -hmm. lines. So can you share with our listeners any like tricks or resources and ways that they can practically tune in to their breath, their bodies today? Yes. So I guess if you're interested in exploring the breath more, go to Breath Guidance. She's got a free day, seven day program. um, And you can come back to that over and over and over again and revisit that information. Um, If you're interested in exploring yoga more, I would check out Yoga for Changes YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. That is the nonprofit I work for and offer trauma-informed yoga through. Um, And they have a bunch of videos recorded by their instructors on breath work, meditation, yoga, movement, all of that. Um, And follow me. (laughs) I like to post all things from yoga to sex therapy to mental health to art to what have you, um, really anything wellness related. And yeah, I guess, I guess that would be my, my three, three takeaways. Nice. Yeah. I saw on your beautiful website, you also have a blog and I think I saw a guided meditation on there too. Yeah, that was a little, little side project I came up with. (laughs) Definitely an intention for the new year. I want to create more content. It's just creating the time. Oh, yes. (laughs) The struggle (laughs) is all too real. (laughs) Yes. But we'll get there. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Because I'm sure they're going to want to check you out after this conversation. 
Easiest way to find me is on Instagram at TuneIn by Tatiana, T-A-T-I-A-N-A. And through that, you can click the link to my website. Through my website, you can find links to the therapy practice I work at, um, the YouTube channel I have, and all of that, and the mala beads that I make. Um, Incredible. And yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful opportunity. And I'm happy to be an open resource for anyone that just has questions or wants information. I'm an open resource. Amazing. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was so insightful. And I'm sure this is going to, you know, YouTube and Google are going to be getting a lot of searches for yoga and meditation tonight. (laughs) Let's hope so. When it comes to pleasure products, I adore Tracy's dog and their ducking, sucking, and licking vibrator. It's a cute two-in-one tongue-licking and clit-sucking vibrator that is magnetic rechargeable, easy to clean, 100% odorless, waterproof, and high-quality body-safe silicone that comes with 14 different modes. Tracy's dog believes that everyone deserves great sex and to own their sexuality. They bring loads of joy to their loyal customers, and you can receive free standard shipping on orders $60 and over at tracysdog.com. That's free shipping on orders $60 and up at tracysdog.com.